Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today I'm delighted to be joined uh, by Julian Pham. He is the founder and managing partner for Third Culture Capital. Julian, thanks for joining me today. Hey Nick, seeing, nice seeing you again. So um, I've had you on other shows. We've talked uh, extensively, but uh, I think it's important always to get a little bit of context. You've got an unusual background uh, we're going to dive in in a second, but if you would share a little bit of your journey to this point uh, in time, if you would. Sure. Um, it's always a complicated uh, uh, question to answer, but uh, it's it's nice to be with a fellow third culture kid. So I'll tell you the uh, the long version of this. So the name of my fund is called Third Culture Capital because we back founders who don't fit the mold, uh, who have had unusual journeys. Uh, and my journey kind of started in Vietnam, where I was born. And um, as refugees, we ended up in Paris, France, where I spent my formative years. And then from there, I came to the U.S. to study English initially, lived in a host family. I was a teenager. Uh, and I've been in the U.S. for 30 years. Uh, from a uh, academic slash professional standpoint, I, I uh, went kind of the path that was somewhat designed for me. Uh, growing up, so I went into medicine to follow my father's footsteps in a way. Uh, really kind of loved and really found a vocation in that. Uh, but um, uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, I'm really an entrepreneur inside. And so I uh, spent 15 years as a clinician. I was a nephrologist, uh, stumbled upon entrepreneurship uh, while I was training in Boston uh, and uh, launched two companies. Uh, uh, um, one in digital health, uh, one in biotech, both with exits, uh, and decided, ah, what's the next step in my uh, journey that kind of feels right for me? And it feels like uh, supporting other uh, early stage entrepreneurs, um, helping them uh, scale and figure out, you know, what the next steps are in order to uh, to reach, uh, you know, the potential of their uh, of their ideas and their companies. Uh, it just made sense for me to become a VC. So. Um, I'm a, a cross-cultural, cross-disciplinary person, uh, and uh, as the thesis of my fund is, we also back uh, cross-cultural, cross-disciplinary people uh, so they can uh, improve outcomes for patients, decrease the cost of care delivery, and improve the experience of care for uh, patients and providers. So uh, before we dive into a little bit of that, it's worth spending some time because I think you know that third culture experience really has a big impact on your behavior. And there's a couple of things that you said that sort of strike me as this. Um, so first of all, I think, you know, there's a part of me that says all physicians are entrepreneurs at heart because we sort of strive to survive in what is a very uncertain environment but find these innovative solutions. And, you know, sometimes it's just small things of finding the right therapy for that patient that's in front of you. So uh, there's a part of me that thinks most people are like that. But as you think back to your childhood and some of those experiences, obviously that's impacted your fund and the way that you've structured it because you've seen that, you know, particularly underserved group of individuals, that marketplace. But how much has that influenced all of your activity? I mean, how does it contribute, do you think? I would say it has fully contributed to what I do, right? I feel so lucky that um, I'm able to 
um, build uh, an organization, a fund, a franchise that really reflects uh, my ideals, you know, the, the, the vision that we have and, uh, and purpose. And, uh, you know, I, I feel even more blessed that um, the people who um, are backing us also believe in that purpose, right? Uh, it, it takes a risk to uh, to back a first-time fund. So a lot of these people came in because they uh, believed in me and believed in, in what we were trying to accomplish. Uh, more often than not, I uh, meet uh, entrepreneurs who relate so much to the notion of third culture that they want to be part of this fund, not so much because they're seeking capital. I'm sure, and sure, there's always that component, right? They're raising money and it's like, oh, you know, it'd be nice to get funding from a fund, uh, but you know, I think more often than not, they really uh, appreciate and value that we're backing uh, uh, the, the founders who usually don't get access to capital. Uh, it's a very important part of of what we do and and our mission. So, for the benefit of the listeners, I think it's important to understand what what that means because not everybody understands third culture kid. It's a, a very specific term, and you and I are both that, mm-hmm. um, and it. it it's the mixing of not just two cultures because, you know, many families, two parents, you know, mm-hmm. they come from different, you know, sometimes different states in the U.S. or different countries, you know, that's two cultures. But here it's a third culture that contributes and that's the country that you're brought up in that is not the same as the two parents that yep. you're uh, contributing to. And what that does is makes an even larger mixing pot, certainly in my experience. I mean, I, I'm... Uh, natively African by some elements. I'm Scottish, you know. And Mm -hmm. the good news for the World Cup is I can support lots of different countries and feel very comfortable about that. You probably can too. You're hedging your bets there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always hedging my bets. Um, I'm glad of it. And it's interesting, even though my children are probably not quite, well, maybe they are third culture somewhat, but uh, they've they've adopted the same, particularly with the football. I'll say, just you know, it's, we're 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 um, optimists in all instances until everybody's out of the uh, competition. Yeah. Um, so it it brings this huge experience and you know overarches everything. Certainly for me, and I'm not surprised to hear for you. You've set up this fund. I think probably I imagine quite the struggle to do so because it's you know against many of the sort of institutions, the standard, the dogma that exists. And then here we are at this point in time, and we have this massive bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and I'm going to say it collapsed. I don't think I have any other terms. Is that a fair assessment? Yep. Um, How's that impacted you? Yeah, well... Uh, so first of all, uh, I think we need to have another podcast talking about soccer, football uh, <laughs> in, in general, uh, um, maybe over a beer. Um, how did uh, the SVB situation affect um, our lives, uh, how it's affected the, the ecosystem? So, I mean, there, I think there's several ways to answer that. I can't give you a general answer, which I will, but I'll also, also maybe share some kind of very kind of personal mm. slash like, you know, realistic uh, or concrete uh, um, uh, answers uh, uh, as to how we dealt, uh, how we helped uh, help support uh, our portfolio companies and, you know, the kind of communications we had to give to our LPs, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, I mean, listen, um, I think what makes America America is, uh, you know, the ability to reach for your dreams, right? And I think... Uh, immigrants in particular come here because they're willing to work harder 
and they're willing to take bigger risks uh, so that they can build a legacy. And um, and now when it comes to innovation and entrepreneurship, uh, SVB provided that. Uh, they were uh, the bank with the brand, first of all, Silicon Valley Bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think in the early days, and I mean, I wasn't there, but from what I've known and read and talked, you know, talking to, to, to folks who've been in the innovation economy for, for a long time, you know, they were the ones who kind of built these relationships and um, extended uh, support and helped these immigrants who didn't have uh, social screen numbers, for example, to open accounts when all the other banks would not do that. And it takes a... You know, it takes a certain degree of of risk taking to do that, and and as as we all know, uh, and it became a lot more apparent uh, after the SVB uh, collapse and the contagion uh, amongst the, the banking system that uh, you know w- when you try to do things at a larger institution, uh, uh, it's it's like you know moving large ships, right? It doesn't move and. And for us, for example, when we tried to open an account at uh, one of the top banks, like they wouldn't even allow us to do that or consider us because like, one of the answers I got is that, you know, we'd love to help, but you're too small a fund. And it was a one-liner, right? It wasn't like a nice explanation. Wow. And so I called other banks and they're like, yeah, you know, we empathize with what's happening. You know, this is terrible. Uh, you know, let let me try. Let me bring the whole team together. We'll schedule something to do a demo for you about you know to show us what what our dashboard looks like, et cetera, et cetera. So I think there's certain degrees of relationship building and and support that you get from a um, kind of smaller bank or a bank that is pro entrepreneur and is supporting that. And and so it was kind of a big spirit like hit to the spirit when a bank like SVB collapsed and. Uh, and then you know when the other banks like Signature collapsed as well, I, I think it uh, it became very worrisome, uh, if not scary. And so you know the first thing we did at 3CC is we reached out to our entrepreneurs, making sure that you know they didn't have exposure, you know, and and uh, like important accounts uh, in um, uh, at SVB. Uh, and uh, not, luckily, out of about nine portfolio companies, only two. Um, had and, and they assured me that everything was okay. And it was important to know because number one, like I wanted to help in any way I can, but there's not not much I can do, right? This was on, on a Friday. Um, uh, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, it was really about getting advice from other VCs involved with these companies, like what they should do, whether they should try to get, uh, you know, uh, $250,000 out, whether they should try to immediately open an account, but when thousands of companies are trying to do the same thing at the same time, it's just like, it's just overwhelming, right? So a lot of stress over that weekend and then the government stepped in and I, I just couldn't see any other outcome uh, because, I mean, when you think about American competitiveness, like what does it say to the world when there's a bank run and like a large bank collapses? We're talking billions of dollars, right? Uh, and, and companies, uh, large and small, cannot make payroll and some will disappear. So like something had to be done. So the government stepped in, which I believe was kind of the right way. Um, I don't know, I'm not an economist, so I don't know what's gonna happen next, but there was a degree of contagion. So the first email I sent out to my uh, in, to my LPs to provide you know a balanced view of things was to say, okay, uh, we're not exposed. We ourselves as a fund, we're not exposed. 
uh, at SBB. We are with another bank, and so far, everything looks good. Two days later, uh, the stock of that bank where we were like, like took a huge nosedive. I was like, crap. Uh, um, and wow. so it took us, you know, about a week, two weeks or so to find, have conversations with and, and open accounts at another bank. And, and we're doing this to kind of uh, create dupl duplicated processes and kind of, you know, quote unquote, diversify a little bit and make sure that we don't get caught with our pants down uh, like it's happened. But kind of stepping back from all this, it's a little crazy, right? That, uh, and I know, uh, you know, 2008, something similar happened in Washington Mutual. But it's it's crazy to think that, and, and my, my career as an entrepreneur started 10 years ago. It never did I think that I could not rely on the bank. No, like for me, it was just like an automatic thing. It was just stable, it was just foundational. You just create a company, you open an account, it's there. And then what you do is you shop around, try to optimize your payroll and, and all these types of things. So there's all, all types of uh, services and vendors and, and, and fintech uh, solutions to try to, to do the rest. But it, it's kind of a wrap around the bank. Uh, and then all of a sudden when that bank crumbles, it's like, oh, my God, like, what do you do next? Uh, and so it's, it's a, definitely a shock to the system, to the whole innovation economy. So now I recommend uh, companies to kind of rethink that. And I think a lot of people are rethinking that. People have pulled money. Uh, now we'll see what happens in the next couple months. But I think you know, ultimately what's, what's going to come out of this uh, is that um, you know, there's a loss of trust to the banking system in a way that you know, we haven't felt for, for some time. Um, and uh, people are going to be a lot smarter about what they do. So what has uh, this whole era of the pandemic taught us? And for myself as an entrepreneurial VC who launched a fund, uh, no, I launched a fund uh, in the midst of a pandemic, uh, in the midst of an economic downturn uh, in the midst of uh, a bank run and, uh, uh, you know, this situation with uh, SVB and, and the banking system. Uh, and on top of that, I had a, a child. So uh, so th th I, think, I think what this has taught us is uh, we need to be cautious and smart about what we do. We need to build, like entrepreneurs need to build businesses that will be sustainable, right? So I think this is a wonderful opportunity to kind of reset things and put like smart money into smart companies that are going to be very successful. I think all the fluffy stuff, the overvalued stuff, like it's going to be less and less out there. It's just they're just not going to survive. So I'm really enthusiastic and optimistic about the future that we have. I mean, it's it's hard right now, and it's hard for everyone. People are losing jobs. People have, there's a lot of instability, but. Um, I think uh, once we pick back up um, and uh, the American spirit uh, entrepreneurship uh, is going to um, help us really do some great things. And when it comes to healthcare, that's going to create really important impact uh, in the U.S. 
So for those of you just joining, I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. I'm talking with Julian Pham. He is the founder and managing partner for Third Culture Capital. He was just sharing his uh, multitude of life events that we know in uh, medicine. And I'm just going to say that you need to up your meditation to at least oh, yes. counteract some of that because uh, that's a lot of stuff going. Just add in a marriage in there and, yeah. you know, you'd be uh, in great shape. Um, clearly, uh, you know, huge impact and obviously... A lot of, I think, disproportionate impact on those groups, um, you know, in the immigrant community yeah. that I think even more so. Um, but in some respects, a little bit of a shakedown of, you know, some of the over-hyped um, uh, yeah. content, solutions, you know. I, I, I always pick on this. Um, it, it was Belty, if you remember Belty, the uh, the belt that measured your waist, oh. the uh, enormous valuations. And I'm looking at this going, I'm sorry. And I'm just going to say that's a Silicon Valley bank moment for me. Mm. It just, you know, I don't know how that survived. But, um, you know, I think that's good. What I get out of this, and as you're describing it, so there's, you know, there's aspects to this forming companies in, in difficult times. Yeah tend to be some of the best companies, some of the most successful. It's, you know, that resilience that you sort of incorporate. But one of the things that I think about is, do you have to incorporate some spread? Do you now start to say, well, I've got, I'm going to have more than one bank account because I need to spread that risk. Is that mm -hmm. something that we need to think about? You know, I, I don't see this as a, a, a permanent mark on banking, but it is a permanent mark in my mind that says, hmm, I'm not sure that I want to trust in one institution for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's a shame when you think about it because that's kind of what you want, right? Like in a way, if you come to a hospital and you wish you could trust one doctor who could do everything for you, but it's just not how it works. Mm. And sometimes depending on your location, you may not have the hospital that had that particular you know, specialty for that particular ailment that you just got diagnosed with. So, and you think the same of any large industries or sectors. Like, wouldn't it be nice if you could just have a um, you know, one shoe, like one size fits all type of solution where you go to the bank and everything was provided for you? But, it, but I think, I think it's making us rethink for sure. And I think you are. What, what you're saying about uh, spreading risk makes a lot of sense. I think we just need to be a little bit more sophisticated and smarter about what we do. And and you bring up healthcare, and obviously, you know, that's your focus. That was yeah. your historical training. But, you know, one of the things that I read about Silicon Valley Bank, and it, it gave me pause, uh, I, and, you know, you're right, we can't let the banking system fail. But I feel that ought to be true about healthcare, but I'm not sure that I always see the same intent in terms of delivering all of the care that is necessary that ought to be delivered we don't it's not an equitable sort of comparison you know we could let some thing you know hospitals are allowed to fail particularly in rural communities which hurt you know some of the most vulnerable populations that need that maybe we need to bring a little bit of that into the healthcare world not to support things that aren't working, but things that are central. And, you know, yeah. for me, rural health is, as an example. I think we have an opportunity with, with innovation to do that. Mm. Um, you know, I don't want to compare uh, healthcare to banking or finance because I'm obviously going to be very biased. Uh, you know, like 
I, I think we're talking about life, but sure, like some people, like money is important to them. And, mm. and you know, uh, so yes, if we were to, you know, for the sake of this discussion, compare both industries, they're both highly uh, regulated, right? But there's been a lot of innovation, I feel, that's happened uh, in, um, in the banking industry uh, to help make things uh, kind of disappear, kind of like um, a light switch in a way, right? Like you just flip a switch. You don't need to know, you need to be an electrician or an electric engineer to know what's going to happen and your light's going to turn on, right? It just happens. Um, like I would love to see a little bit more of that in healthcare uh, where a lot happens behind the scene in a very high quality, reliable way, but that all you need to do as a patient or as a clinician is to kind of flip the switch. And I think technology and innovation can bring that, you know, chat GPT, like whatever. Like we're, we're years, if not decades away from that, but I think there's an opportunity to, uh, to get to that point. Um, so that's kind of my very high level, mm. somewhat, you know, unfair comparison of uh, no, both I, I, well, yeah. let's be clear. We all come to this with bias. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've got a multitude and, you know, in part that's through our earlier conversation of those cultures that bring some of this yeah. and, you know, that's okay. Um, we just, it, it's part of the discussion. So, yeah. and, and let me, let me hmm. make a point. I, I want to react to what you said about kind of uh, how thinking about third culture kind of helps us uh, kind of work better solutions. I think, Part of that for us, when when I think about my fund, is this notion of uh, intersectionality. So being at the intersection of, mm. right? And I think that, as you say, culturally speaking, if you think of culture as kind of where you've lived and you know your family, your friends, and your communities, etc., like the more you have experienced that, the more attuned you are to people and what they do. And I think it kind of makes you a more uh, empathetic person, perhaps, uh, but it's really kind of because you live at the intersection, intersection of the cultures. Now, when you think of disciplines and being at the intersection of disciplines, I think this is the richness of what we could do as people utilizing technology and innovation, right, to bring unusual concepts in computer science to care delivery, I think can really improve and enhance how we deliver care and, and, and make life for our patients better. So I think this, this notion of being at the intersection of is, is very important to us as a fund. So I, you highlight one of the points that for me is a, a, a point of passion. I wish more people had had the opportunities that I've had of travel specifically. And I know travel is not totally immersion, but, you know, at least longer experiences of other cultures, you know, to understand both the similarities, that's an awful lot of those, and the differences. I think if more people got the opportunity, I think we would have better just sort of general getting on. I mean, I need to spend time, certainly in the U.S., I need to go to the Midwest. I, the only thing I understand about that is from the TV, which is insufficient. Um, and I think that brings that sort of intersection. As you look back over the course of, you know, the last uh, experiences, what would you say you learned were, were some of the things that made the difference that helped you survive through that? What what contributed to your capacity to sort of emerge from this? Because not everybody did. I mean, I think it's been a challenge for everybody. Yeah. I mean, obviously, 
resilience, right? And I think it's uh, it's hardwired in us as third culture individuals. Um, you know, um, I would say also uh, uh, the work ethics, mm-hmm. um, and, and this is speaking for myself, like, you know, being an immigrant twice over and the child of immigrants, I think you, you get inspired by that. And um, so kind of working harder in order to get things done uh, is, is something that uh, has helped us. And, and really, um, it's being connected with people. For me, I think of venture capital as a people business. Sure, we manage money and we invest and we want innovation and we have certain expectations and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's people. Uh, it's my LPs. It's my advisors. It's you know the portfolio companies. It's the the partners and vendors and people that we work with. And we try to kind of walk that same journey and going forward. And I think the more experience you have of touching people in a way, and I say that in a a broader sense, and and being able to empathize with them, connect with them, I think it it just makes the journey more enjoyable and and hopefully kind of more successful as well. People, resilience, and focusing on the humanity, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for me, summarizes all of that. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, uh, we've run out of time, so it just remains for me to thank you for joining me on the show. As always, great pleasure. Julian, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. 